And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. On today's episode of The Glue Guys, I'm joined by Alex Schiffer of The Athletic, the fantastic Nets. You're not a beat reporter. You're an actual... We don't call you a beat reporter, right? You're a journalist, uh, a you reporter. You can call me a beat reporter. I don't beat care. Re- beat reporter for The Athletic talking. We, we have the most pertinent questions. Nets, Sixers, playoff preview, first round. Coming up. Welcome back to the glue guys. This is Mike here. Say hello, Alex. I'm not going to try to hit the note like Brian. Hello. What's up? Uh, check us out on Twitter at PKGlueGuysNetsDaily.com. The Athletic. Get yourself behind the paywall. Click on any of Alex Schiffer's stories. Get yourself behind that paywall. I don't know if we still have that March Madness deal that's happening, the a dollar a month for the first six months, but there's some delicious deal to be had. Uh, click on an Alex Schiffer story and get him those subs. Alex, how are you? I'm good. I think it is still going. I had a friend email me yesterday they subscribed and i'm pretty sure it was through that deal perfect that's what you want i mean i don't know about you i'm a massive nfl fan nfl draft is one of my favorite times of the year dane brugler's beast dane brugler's our draft analyst he released the beast which is like 450 pages of draft analysis it is the thing you're going to want when your team drafts a guy in the sixth round who's 6'3 220 wide receiver who runs a 4-4 you're going to find out why that person only fell or he did fall to the sixth round as a fly fall, flies in front of my face. This is our fly bottle episode, Breaking Bad. I'm Walter White. You're Jesse Pinkman. How are you, Alex? I'm good. Wow. That's exciting. I was gonna an do- exciting intro. You I'm know, good. I was, I was, I, it hit me in the moment. Jesse Pinkman's trademark line is a curse word. So I couldn't, I couldn't play <laughs> off that joke you made. Um, so yeah, we never can get this right. We're just not meant to be. Maybe that's the real reason I'm never on, even though you lie to me and say, oh, we're going to do a podcast after the deadline and you can come <laughs> on. And then like you see like there's four podcasts and you're not on them. It's like, oh, like, I guess well, I uh... can I can I tell you, can, this is going to get real for a second, Alex. Uh, this team just you could be a... real. Just say you're a liar. No, I am a, definitely a liar. I promise too much and I never follow through. Uh, ask anyone in my life about that. But this team uh while i've enjoyed the kd like it's hard to say you don't enjoy uh it's hard to say you enjoy not having kevin durant on your team right or kyrie it's really the kyrie factor and the pressure of a kyrie kd team but i don't know like there was this natural dip in in uh sort of like fervor since they left the team because this team immediately shifted from and we, we were continually waiting for this team to be fully healthy ready to roll this season had seemed like god you know what was it the 12 13 game win streak 
oh, Katie just has an injury, no big deal. He'll come back and everything will be fine. Of course, everything blew up. And so emotionally for myself, speaking for myself, there was just a letdown of like, uh, you know, and now we're here though. We're at the playoffs uh, against the 76ers. Thank goodness we're recording this on Wednesday morning. This will run on Friday. Um, and, you know, I watched the play-in games last night. And I did too. They were good. Go- thank goodness the Nets aren't in that morass. Like, can you imagine if we were recording this today? Obviously, it would be a different show. But if the Nets had lost that first game against the Hawks, the fear of the Nets not even being in the real playoffs, at least we know the Nets will, are guaranteed four games and maybe more uh, in the playoffs. And we'll get to that on this very show right now, Alex. Um, you Do you have those questions in front of you that I, I sent do? You? I do. I'm ready to roll. I'm prepared. I'm ready. Okay. So what, what I try to do, it's not nothing revolutionary. I try to think of different ways that we can address this series and understand it and contextualize it as we were heading into this 3-6 matchup, uh, 76ers, Nets. And the one first way I want to start is which way each of the teams are better than the other for sure. Um, and so the first way I'll start is the one way the Nets are better. Um, now, I think you can take a few different tacks, and I won't name them all because I'm going to give you some some of your own takes. The one thing I think that is key to me that I think about this series, I'm going to leave one on the table for you, and if you don't answer it, I'm going to back it up with that too, is I do think the the element of the switchable wing defense that this team can throw out there, and I say wing defense is even higher than, um, you know, traditionally when we think of wing defenders, we think of guys that can guard from two to four, the, the twos, the threes, and the four. I even think what's going to happen this series, and I think Jacques talked about it a little bit, is they're they're going to have to collapse and double on Embiid a bunch. And the Nets, because of their wing length, Claxton will be guarding Embiid, but Dorian Finney-Smith collapsing on Embiid in certain moments, uh, Embiid does not handle doubles quickly. He likes to consider the double. He like He consumes the double and waits to figure out what to do with it. It's not like a quick... Super, it's not Jokic, right? Jokic is immediate. Um, it's badminton for Jokic, pickleball. Uh, for Embiid, it's much more considered. So I think the Nets' ability to switch everything, the fact that they're starting lineup, the shortest person in what could be their starting lineup could be Spencer Dinwiddie, right? That is a huge advantage over the Sixers, who will have a backcourt of Harden and Maxi, a weak defensive backcourt. Embiid, of course, could be Defensive Player of the Year on any year. Um, P.J. Tucker will be there as well. Tobias Harris is is fine. But the Nets have that key, there's that key nugget of that they have the potential to be a better team defense in this series, and particularly because of the way their defense is built through wing defense, that has a potential to have a big impact for the defense. Do you see it the same way as me, Alex, or do you think, am I just overrating it and uh, I should show it up? You know, I, I think there are some legs there. As you said, I mean, they're switchable. They have a lot of length. And they, as you said, you know, I feel like in, in years past with these playoff runs, they didn't have that wing defender type guy. Now they have a bunch of them. And I do think there's something to be said for that. I, I feel like on a more granular level, there's no pressure on the Nets going into the series at all. I mean, like, and I think that there is something to be said for that. You know, you look at the Sixers, um, there's the... I don't even want to call it smoke. I would say a a small campfire of James Harden sure. potentially going back to Houston. I, I I've talked to people to where I believe that there's legs there. Um, 
Doc Rivers has some pressure on him. Joel Embiid, you know, this is probably the best chance he's had to make a deep run of the playoffs outside of that Kawhi Leonard um, miracle shot against them. I'm trying to remember what that was 19. Um, and and so I do think, you know, that the Nets have an advantage just from like, you know, the, the Sixers, you could argue they could see this all fall apart this summer, depending upon how things go. The Nets, they uh, they're kind of playing with house money right now. They have a top six seed, as you said, they avoided the play in and they if they get a game or two to me, all the you know, the pressure that was already on the Sixers just gets intensified. So I think from a headspace perspective, the Nets have a huge advantage given that they have they don't have the continuity the Sixers have. They don't have the uh, the pressure, any of those things. And I, again, I do think there is that that does mean something in the playoffs. Yeah, I agree. I that is something I haven't even considered. Uh, the fact that the the lack of pressure, you know, and, and I do, you know, let's just be honest up front, right? Like, I think we probably both expect the 76ers to win this series. Um, I don't know, you know, like if it's within, if they nets take, you know, two games, right? We, we're happy. Um, I thought it, our predictions were for the end of the show, so I feel like you're kind of like ruining yeah, it for the listener right now. Yeah, but we, you know, we, we have to lay our cards out on the table. Right. Mm-hmm. And because we're not going to try to trick people into thinking the Nets are definitely going to win. But what you laid out, the lack of pressure, is a thing that is a positive for the Nets. The other small element, this is like granular and this will not swing a series, but it will swing some games. The 76ers are a horrible transition defensive team. The Nets, while not while not a pure, you know, fast break running team, even under like I looked at the second you know, the points off turnovers or points off misses stats since the Mikhail Bridges era began for the Nets. It's not like they're a significantly fantastic team on that front. You know who would have helped is Ben Simmons, uh, but he doesn't play basketball, which is fine. It's not his job uh, to play basketball. So they, but the Nets, that is something for the Nets to exploit because, you know, we can get into what the 76ers are better. And I think there's a few things that you could clearly outline what makes them better. But the Harden, we've seen Harden, you know, there's, there isn't playoff, like Harden has had moments where he can be a better defender, but he's never going to be a transition D defender of any consequence. He just completely checks out sometimes when he doesn't have the ball. That's just how he acts. It's how he always acted. So there's ways that this Nets team, because it's switchable on defense, because it's long, because it's athletic, that if they can get that rebound, it can be a very quick bucket. And sure, does that swing a series? No. But that's good for a team that is going to have trouble producing consistent points because they don't have an Embiid. And before that, they didn't. They don't have a uh, Kevin Durant anymore. They will need to find those cheap points, and the transition is the cheap points. But Alex, um, if you had to label one way that the 76ers are better, again, I'll put my cards on the table. I just put Joel Embiid down. Like I put down having the guy, having a guy, um, as much as we love Mikael Bridges, or I do. Uh, I know you're a cold, uh, unbiased reporter. I know you. You, you don't I even. Can't, I can't feel. I'm like Arnold Schwarzenegger in Terminator. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not in T. Not T. Two Schwarzenegger, who definitely felt some things. Uh, T. One Schwarzenegger, who who was unfeeling, a cold, calculated, killing machine. That is who you are. Um, I just simply put it down Joel Embiid. It's just the uh, the emotional carnage that we're about to see of a guy who is probably the MVP of the league, 
as motivated as ever. You know, he sees probably the landscape in front of him of thinking this is the, this is our chance. Harden may be going to Houston, as you said. So, like, I we better do this now. Um, I think, you know, that's that's just a way that the 76ers are better. How how do you? My question to you is: How big of a gap between Embiid and what the Nets can offer is sort of the best sort of counter defense to him? Yeah, I would take it one step further too. Not only do the Sixers have the best player on the floor at all times in Embiid, but I would also say they have the best playmaker. No offense to Spencer Dinwiddie, but like, if you're going to talk about Tucker, the, PJ yeah, Tucker, yeah, yeah way, way to way to spoil the surprise. Um, you know, as impressive as Spencer Dinwiddie's playmaking has been, obviously he led the NBA in assists in March. Like, we have seen James Harden's playmaking at its best. Like. There's just passes that he throws and things that he sees that other people doesn't like. That's like the and that that's part of his game that the the injuries and the pass for you I don't think have taken away as much. So not only do the, the Sixers have the best player on the floor, I also think they're the best playmaker on the floor. And uh, without ripping the bandaid off for you, like I think that's where like the Nets could miss Ben Simmons in this series is just that like as you said, like I fully agree with you of um. If they just had him as someone that could push the ball and kick it out to those guys and and facilitate the offense, I, I again would it change the, my prediction for the series? No, but I do think that it would be another um, bullet in their uh, chamber. And uh, I almost said barrel for a minute. I was like, that's I guess that works for a certain type of gun, but I'm not a gun guy. So anyway, um, so like I just think that those like Mikael Bridges is very good and and to quote you know Spencer Dinwiddie was kind of saying how you know maybe this is the series where he really establishes himself as a star and shows that he can handle this over a, a six seven game series if it were to get to that or just you know a playoff series where you know that you see the same team and they make adjustments on you but um yeah I just think the biggest difference is from a talent perspective from a crunch time perspective like I would take most of the Sixers guys over the Nets how do you think the Nets defend Embiid because like here's the question it's either Talk about what we kind of talked about, and Jacques has mentioned. You know, it's not just going to be Nick Claxton one on one. There's going to be doubles. There's going to be late actions. Maybe while Embiid is driving to the bucket, that's when you send someone or you send someone super early and blitz him, right? Or there's this other element, which is like, well, Embiid can only score so many points. So if you, if you guard Embiid, you know, one-on-one and you basically let him score 40 points a game but you never like you don't give up open shots to anyone else you don't let pj tucker hit the three corner threes in the game you don't let maxi get going with a full head of steam to the bucket same thing for harden you let Embiid get his but you shut down everyone else those are the two paths that you have with this team what do you think the nets are going to do are they going to try to double or is it Hey, we gotta actually. We know Embiid's gonna get his. We have to stop everyone else because that's the way we can win. I I would lean toward the latter, especially because you know something that um I want to ask Jacques Vaughn. The Nets are off today as we were recording this. I plan to ask him this tomorrow, so you already know the answer by the time this you're listening to this. But um, I I've wondered how often they deploy a lineup maybe of Claxton and Dayron together as a way to use all their size on him and also maybe like try to get little advantages like. Um, you know, they've played Dayron and Nick usually together at the end of halves this year, like end of quarters, like very small, like not, I, I don't have the hard numbers in front of me, but I would argue that they've probably shared the court for no more than two minutes. And I may be really high on that number, but, um, like, do you try to like 
really smother him and like go for like that. But at the same time, you risk one or both getting in a foul trouble and then you have no bigs and you have to play small. So I don't um, I would lean toward having him uh, be the one that beats them. But I also think that they might try to pick their spots. And as you said, kind of see where they can double him and make him uncomfortable and kind of see, you know, you could argue they might start doubling him. And then if he makes the right read out of those or, or finds the open guy and they get burned on those, maybe they completely switch up their game plan. So I, I lean toward having him be the one that beats you because I think it's easier to shut down Harden, Maxi, Tobias, et cetera, with given the wing defenders they do have. Yeah, I mean, I think Jacques made some reference about, you know, he was asked about playoff rotation and he asked, he said something like, you know, guys who haven't played that much are going to have to play in this series, that he's not going to shorten his bench. He may have to expand it. I think that's in reference, it is a reference to Dayron. Like, if you think about it, you know, for years and years and years in the NBA, there was always like a big, ugly guy coming off the bench who just got six fouls. You know, think about the way that like Shaq was guarded, right? And you just needed a body to foul. The problem is the Sixers live at the line. You know, they are the they shoot the most free throws in the NBA. That's because they have Embiid, who accumulates them quickly, and Harden, who's the master. Him and Trey Young at at getting free throw attempts. The Nets the, puts a lot of pressure on Nick Claxton not to foul out of the games. Like he he's probably going to foul out of three out of the four first games just because it's going to be so hard to guard and bead and they will need, I mean, what's going on? Is Nerland's Noel like available? What's no, it, it seems like the, uh, he didn't make much of a positive impression when he, during his 10 day with the nets. Okay. So it day, like day going to have to basically, you're gonna have to get eight minutes out of Dayron sharp. I think that's literally, and those eight minutes will have to be on Embiid just to give Claxton the ability to be there at the end of games. Yeah. Um, I do think that there's an element of a super small ball lineup that they can deploy that maybe they do this when Embiid's on the bench, but like Dorian Finney-Smith as your five, and yeah. you're, ro- you're rolling out Dinwiddie, Seth Curry. Cam, uh, shooters galore, right? Cam and McHale. Yeah. Yeah. Right, and and the way to counteract Embiid is like, you know, he's going to get his buckets against Nick Claxton or Dorian or whoever's guarding him in that moment. Obviously, if they switch Seth Curry on him, that would be a disaster. Seth Curry may not be alive by in that series. But I don't think Doc Rivers would do that to his son-in-law. Uh, I think Doc Doc would absolutely do. It. Doc, Doc is ruthless. Um, but I, I, you know, there's I think what you talked about the line of variability is going to be very interesting to watch in the series is it to go bigger with dayron and claxon at times to go double length and really try to muck it up but then on the offensive side of the floor obviously that's going to be very hard spacing and it's very hard to figure out or at times do you go super small and even while you go super small you still are in the realm of like well Dorian finney smith is long and pretty tall you have all the wings who are long and pretty tall and the smallest guy on the floor whether it be seth curry or joe harris well if it's joe harris or royce o'neill those are still wings seth curry is obviously a pure guard so you know like there are things that the nets can do um where like you're gonna have to give up size but you get speed switchability putting in bead in sort of like uncomfortable spots uh maybe try to make him draw some fouls or you go super big and yeah, they're sacrifices either way. Let's do this quick break. Coming back, 
X factors, drafting the Nets starters, and then we'll do uh, predictions. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service that you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And we're back, Alex. Who's your X Factor for this series for the Brooklyn Nets? I mean, we're, we were... I feel like we were just kind of talking about this, so it's pretty repetitive. But to me, it's Nick Claxton because if he gets in foul trouble, as you said, might be a long night. And the Nets center depth is only Dayron afterwards. And we're talking about going small. So to to me, Nick, I don't I don't expect Nick to like outplay or um or you know equalize Joel Embiid's talent and production this series because I think that's a tall ask as great of a year as he's had. But I do think if he can be consistently good for the Nets, like it, it could make the series interesting and stay out of foul trouble and be a factor at the end of games. As you said, and also, you know, um, we haven't talked about this, but obviously, you know, the free throws have been a thing for him all year. He's gotten better over the course of the year, but um, the numbers are pretty game, interesting. Yeah, I wrote about that a couple of weeks ago. So shameless plug. But um, <laughs> if if, um, you know, if it's a close game. And Nick Claxton's on the floor, you're going to foul him, right? I mean, that's just the way it is. So, um, so I mean, that that's more of a situational thing, obviously, but I, I do think it's worth just touching on. I would also just say Mikel Bridges because, and I have I I've got to talk in past tense because this drops Friday, but I'm I'm planning to have something for Thursday on Mikel after getting him on the side a little bit yesterday. But just we've asked ourselves like the whole time he's done this, how sustainable it is, and he keeps doing it, but I feel like the playoffs are really where he can kind of really legitimize all this, right? It's only been, you know, 25, 26 games, whatever it is. But um, him doing this in the playoffs, I think, will go so much further than um, than this stretch he's had right now, or as encouraging as it's looked, right? I mean, ultimately, you're defined by what you do in the playoffs, right? And I feel like this is kind of the first sample size of that. So I, I would say Nick is the big one just because of MB, but I also just say, if, like, if Mikel can drop a couple 40-point games, like, like, if you told me I have a DeLorean, uh, Mikel Bridges drops uh, two 40-point games in the series, I would say, okay, the Nets don't get swept. Like, that's like my, <laughs> that's how I would um, how, react to that. Yeah. And PJ Tucker's reputation is a little bigger than the actuality at this point. Yeah. The, the Sixers' weakness is that they, you know, Tucker is their best wing defender. And of course, he's the archetyped, but he's not the same guy. Yeah. Uh, Tobias Harris is not 
a, a, a stressful defender. Harden and Maxi are smaller guards. So not that Harden's small, but we know his history. So it, there is room for wing, the wings, Bridges, Cam, all those guys to operate. And it's not like they're playing Boston, where it's Tatum and Brown. Um, here's my X Factor. Here's a stat for you to back up my X Factor. Dorian Finney-Smith, okay? This is about his offense. If he's hitting threes, is anyone who's watched the Nets since the trade, the Nets have a shot to win, okay? In the, in the 10 games, okay, excuse me, of the 13 losses, Dorian Finney-Smith has been a part of with the Nets. Now, there may be another loss or two in there, but this is when I got the stats. 10 of those games, 10 of those losses, he's either hit one or none threes, okay? Zero or one threes. Of the 12 wins that he's been a part of, he's hit two or more threes in 10 games. So when DFS is hitting threes, the Nets are overwhelmingly winning those games. When DFS is missing those threes or hitting just one, he is over. The team is overwhelmingly losing those games. Now, if you've watched, that passes the eye test. If we've watched this, he has become the new sort of Joe Harris for the Nets fans. Where if he if if he is missing his threes, Nets Twitter is oh I hate DFS. If he's hitting his threes, then we are we in love with him because we love the effort, we love the length on defense, all the things he brings. If he can hit his threes, then the Nets have a true shot because if he's scoring and hitting the threes the way that he actually used to do in Dallas, though he's getting different kinds of threes in Brooklyn because he does not playing with Luka Doncic, though Luka's coming next year, so don't you worry, Nets fans. Um, that the, <laughs> Alex just Alex confirmed the report for everyone who's not watching. The Alex confirmed it. Luka Doncic is coming to Brooklyn next year because Igor is on the bench. Um, is it? Igor I can't or wait Igor? for the fake Twitter. It's Igor. Geez, I can't wait for the yeah. fake Twitter account to like put that out there, and then I hear from my boss. But keep going. I love how you wrote a story about Missouri. It's like it's so, it's so, so corrupt. Well, well, so for everyone um, doesn't know that Alex wrote a really good story about Quinn Snyder's coaching staff at Missouri, which did have a lot of impactful people. But Alex went to Missouri, so it's like okay, cool. So, cool, so cool as fact. as an aside, uh, since you're calling me out, I've been chasing that story since 2019 when I was still on the Missouri beat before I got hired to cover the Nets. And one of my thoughts at the time was it'd be good to get to know these guys since there's only so many Missouri NBA connections, and it's also a really good story. And now Igor's with the Nets, helped Quinn Snyder and I are cool, John Hammond, um, and it turned out really well regardless. So it was a bit of a Nets story because of Igor. So before you before you freaking go after me. I would, that that thing's been my baby for like four years, so I don't care what you have to say. It's finally yeah. off my plate. I'm proud of you. I'm very proud of you, Alex. So yeah, again, you're not. They keep going. The statistics: when DFS is hitting two or more threes, the Nets win something like 85 percent of the time. When he is hitting zero or one three a game, the Nets are losing about 80 percent of the time. So just it it matters like in in those shots those are the shots that he's getting if he gets if if you think about it just from a pure numbers perspective if he's hitting a couple of threes their boot their the floor of their point total is raised they're not wasting possessions uh the the 76ers conversely by not getting the rebound and then having to take it out from under the basket is not able to just run and have Harden go and get a transition bucket for for himself or passing out to P.G. Tucker for a three. And 
not even to mention, I think Dorian Finney-Smith will be incredibly important against Embiid because he's going to be, I think they're going to have him guard someone like Tobias Harris or P.J. Tucker, who are good players, but you have to you have to collapse onto Embiid at times. And Finney-Smith has enough length to do it and enough skill to do it and make it impactful. So he is my X factor. Um, as one aside real quick, since we're talking about the defense, yeah. uh, you mentioned Maxi. The Nets, as we said, have a, have a plethora of wing defenders, but the one thing that I do think that they could miss that, that they had on last year's team was a Javon Carter or Bruce Brown for a Maxi-type guy, yes. right? A good on-ball. Yeah. Like, if they had one of those two guys for this series, I feel like they have, including Nick, who, again, Embiid's going to be a problem, but he's still a very good defender. They have like a one of everything for like defense personnel. You know what I mean? Like, um, that's the one thing I was thinking about. We're looking at some of the stats for all this. Is just they. I, I'm sure they would love one of those guys back, even if it was just a situational thing. If you put him in to guard him, yeah, I'm sure Marks would love Carter back because he traded for him, but he cut him because Nash wasn't playing him. So another Steve Nash mess up outlined by Alex Schiffer. Hey, Javon Carter's go. got the best job on the Nets this year. He's getting paid four hundred four million and not be there. I think we I think we should applaud him. I think it should be like Bobby Bonilla Day for the Mets. Like they should present him with a check the next time the Bucks come to town. Like I'd I'd love that lifestyle. Oh, in the Eastern Conference Finals. Or I guess that might be in the semis, right? No. The Nets would play the, the Celtics next round because they're gonna win. All right. Uh real quick, we'll kind of go through these. 76ers X Factor. You know. There's two ways I can go with this. I can say PJ Tucker hitting his threes, but I just kind of did the whole like role player hitting threes thing. Or, um, yeah, very original. Um, sorry, I get like weird phone calls sometimes. Uh, I said Harden's health. You know, as you've written about Achilles injuries, Kevin Durant's impact on on other athletes who have Achilles injuries as KD has become this um, sort of like uh, Achilles psychologist for fellow athletes. Uh, I I did a lot of research about Achilles when Kevin Durant has hit, had his, and any amount of Achilles injury, when we say that there's an Achilles sprain, whatever, that, that that is the ramp to potentially having an Achilles tear. Kevin, uh, I believe the the Harden injury is an Achilles sprain that he has now come back from. He's played big minutes in games, so he's he's got his way back into the game, but. That is, if, if, and Achilles is not like another part of the body where like, if you have a knee sprain, yes, there's some tearing, microscopic tearing or whatever they call it, and you can rehab it 100% fine and all that stuff without surgery. I, I guess you could do that with Achilles, but there's like a shelf life to an Achilles. And if you, if it's beginning to tear a little bit, you know, it's, it's dangerous and playoff basketball is incredibly intense. Um, if the Nets can win some games early and put stress on Harden, I know this is like a weird thing to be like, maybe his Achilles will tear. But it's it's a dangerous thing. There's a reason why he was not playing basketball for a little bit. So if Harden isn't like fully activated, that does change the complexion of the series because then, you know, Harden will still be out there. Um, maybe if he's not his full self, we've seen what Harden is like if he's not fully healthy. God forbid he has a hammy injury that lasts for 18 months like he had with us. Um, so that's the next factor. I'll say that. The Harden's health. I would just say health in general because Joel Embiid has a history of getting hurt around or during the playoffs at times as well. So I, I think, right. I, and, I, and I would also argue 
just as your uh, take is as original of role players hitting their threes, like I just think health in general right now in the NBA, I mean, this is a year with parity like we haven't seen before. I think you could argue that um, health was a huge factor in that, and it, it's going to be a one in the postseason too. So um, Steven Adams is out for the Grizzlies. Now I think the Lakers have a very good shot to take them out. Like I, I, I don't think those two things are coincidence. So I, I think health in general for the Sixers and um, – as you, to your James Harden point of how much, you know, he he's already not the guy he was in Houston, as we've seen in recent years, but he's still, you know, very, very good player. Um, how much is he reduced by, is it like the James Harden game seven against the Bucks where he's playing on one leg? You know, just what kind of shape is he in and what is he able to do? Is it just a bunch of passing and step back threes or can he get to the basket a bit? given how predicated his game is on the free throw line, how that Achilles impacts that. Let's do this. I wanted to draft the Nets and Sixers starters. So 10-player pool here. Harden, Embiid, Tobias Harris, P.J. Tucker, Maxi, Dinwiddie, Cam Johnson, Bridges, Claxton, and Dorian Finney-Smith. The reason why I will do this is I think it will articulate where the distribution of talent is in this series. I will give Alex the first pick on who he would draft within that team. I'm going to okay. guess who you're going to go with, but I'm going to let you pick. Make I, I'm going to take MB just because if I don't, I'm going to regret it. All right. So I think that's a clear number one pick. Now, the, the choice for number two is Harden or Bridges, I think. I agree. I, st I still go Harden. I think if I'm being honest, we just talked about his health, sure. But he had played pretty big minutes in the five straight games when he came back from his injury. Um, you just have to bank on that he's, I mean, he had, had an exceptional season. So even though he was not an all-star, whatever it was. So uh, do you do you agree with me? Do you think Harden is the for sure pick here over Bridges? Or do you think I'm discounting Mikael Bridges? I think it's very close. Um, I think it's honestly a toss-up. I was going to take Bridges if, uh, if I had the second pick, but I don't fault you for taking Harden. So I'll take Bridges with my third pick and pair him with Joel Embiid, which should have happened years ago, <laughs> except the Sixers decided to trade him on draft night for a bunch of crap um so yes. i uh i'm taking bridges okay so you have bridges and Embiid. i have harden so this is where you know maxi's like the fourth best player in the draft i think that's clear i think the tiers if you're tiering it is Embiid in one tier by himself i would say bridges and harden and their current forms are a second tier and i would say maxi's just a tier below some people may include him, you know, in the tier within Harden and Bridges at times because Maxi can hit those heights. I'd advocated at the time when they were gonna, the Nets were going to trade Harden that Maxi should have been the target. Maxi should have been the guy that they would have went after. Things would have been different if uh, Maxi's on the Nets right now. Maybe oh, maybe Kevin Durant and Kyrie are still on the Nets. You never know. Anyways, um, who are, who's your next pick? So so far we've picked two. We've picked two. Well, I've picked three Sixers and one net. We've we cumulatively. Um, where do you go after that? So it's Tobias Harris, Dinwiddie, Cam Johnson, Claxton, Dorian Finney-Smith, PJ Tucker. I I would say I'm taking Claxton with Cam Johnson getting a lot of consideration for that spot as well. Um, Nick's very versatile. Obviously, you know it's not even just a switchable defense. You know he can handle the ball for the for a big guy. You've seen his shot selection has gotten slowly a little further away from the basket over time. Um, I just think he's a versatile player. He's young and uh, he's proven to be healthy this year. He's bulked up over the years. Um, Cam Johnson is a little more redundant 
alongside Bridges. Um, and I think Embiid and Nick can play alongside each other because Joel's that talented. Um, I'm going to go Dinwiddie, not Cam Johnson. I think this is going to be a really good series for Dinwiddie. Sixers don't have a guard. We talked about Maxie and Harden being weak defensively. D- Dinwiddie really does operate nicely when he's not being like completely pressured, like any point guard. Not that shocking to say. I think this could be a really good series for Spencer Dinwiddie. And I think it could be an- another thing to to bury uh, dirt all over the Mavericks of like, no, I'm not saying Dinwiddie's going to be 20 and 10 every game. He's not going to be Ty- Tyrese Halliburton, but his assist numbers are just going to be bonkers because that's the way this offense operates. Um, he will put up some really good point games because he does shoot. Um, often he's not afraid to let it fly. The Nets will need him to score this series. They'll need him to get to the line. They will need him to put pressure on Embiid and Harden. Um, so I'm going to go Dinwiddie over Tobias Harris and Cam Johnson, DFS, and PJ Tucker. Um, I'll let you have. So you have the next pick. So you, I think you're basically you. You're saying Cam Johnson for yourself over Tobias Harris. You're not yeah, making, I, a, but just what you're not making like a true team. You're just making yeah. like you know. Yeah, I think so. Um, first of all, uh, Cam Johnson before well b- before he hits free agency is on the better deal right now. Um, if we're accounting for cap space, but also like There's um, no cap space. This I know, is I know. made up. I, it not, is so we can so we can account for we're cap not talking space. Bird over here, Alex. Um, um, if Royce O'Neal was still a starter, I would heavily consider him just because to me he's a winner and just makes the right play. And um, I'm curious to see what kind of playoffs he has. Um, but yeah, I, I would take Cam Johnson. I'm going a bit age, and again, like I, I feel like. You know, Tobias at this point, fun fact, would you do a Tobias for Ben Simmons trade right now? I mean, yeah, the money yeah. works. I just, they have make, they're on like identical deals. I just feel like Tobias is kind of, um, he's a good player. He's just not worth what he makes. And um, I, uh, I think that Cam is going like this and Tobias is kind of going like this. So for the that's podcast why I, audience, Tobias is going down. Cam is going up. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for giving the right prediction too. And not like ha- uh, mincing my words for me. Um, <laughs> I think you're right. So what I think this is, our, and like we could kind of finish it out easily. Like PJ Tucker is probably going to be the last pick. Yes, Mister Irrelevant. So it's like Tobias probably next, Dorian Finney-Smith, and that wraps it up. The uh, can I tell you a quick thing about Ben Simmons, just so you're aware? Okay. So I kind of hinted at this on Twitter, and I and I know people pe- people so hate this idea. Okay. What happened with Rudy Gobert punching his teammate? And we just saw the Timberwolves lost, should not have lost that game against the Lakers and did, partly because Rudy Gobert wasn't there. You know, they could have used that time. Like they had to, Cat had five fouls with eight minutes left or whatever in the fourth quarter. Rudy Gobert would have been helpful in that moment. Rudy Gobert is entering into a territory of like, we need to get this guy off our team. I think uh, it is shocking to punch Sean a teammate. Marks knows that feeling well of having to give up a guy you gave up a lot for the year before. So that we've been talking about on this podcast, but keep going. We have talked about Ben Simmons as being a completely untradeable contract. Here's the thing you need to know. Ben's contract runs for next season, the season after two years, 77 million over that span for those wondering. 
Rudy Gobert is an extra year, a player option tacked on to the end of that. Rudy Gobert is older. Rudy Gobert has not fit in to the Timberwolves really at all. Um, now, there's all these caveats. Why, like, Rudy Gobert actually plays basketball and Ben Simmons doesn't. The thing you have to remember is that at one point it seemed like the Timberwolves were sniffing around Ben Simmons when Ben Simmons was with the 76ers and on his sabbatical from the team. Um, Mark Laurie and A-Rod own the team. It's believed they heavily influenced the Rudy Gobert deal. Uh, if they are, which shows a naivete as new owners, which is very common. New owners are dumb owners, um, as I would be. I would be a dumb owner too. So there is an element of, even though Ben Simmons does not play basketball and his contract is um, bad, there are, as more contracts are signed, there will continue to be longer and worse deals to be had. I'm just, I know the Nets don't, they don't need Rudy Gobert. They have Nick Claxton. Nick Claxton's a better player right now than Rudy Gobert. Better player. Um, but if you're looking to get something for nothing, just saying, keep keep it in your in your cap, in your reporter's cap, Alex Schiffer. Keep an eye out for some Rudy Gobert, Ben Simmons buzz. Okay, let's finish this up. Let's not worry about why the Nets will win. Let's not worry why the Nets will lose. We kind of know that already. Your prediction, Alex Schiffer, what is your prediction for this series? What will happen? I have Sixers in six. I think the Nets are going to make it interesting. I don't trust Philly fully. I trust them enough to win the series, but not on a clean sweep or a gentleman sweep. So I, I think the Nets will play well enough in two games and the Sixers either don't show up or, or Mikael Bridges goes off and uh, looks at Tobias Harris, whose trade, uh, who, the trading him kind of ultimately led to the Sixers bringing in Tobias and look at their more and say, is this your king? Um, but, uh, I, uh, I'm going Sixers and six. I think Philly wins the series regardless. I don't think it'll get to seven, but I, I think if, I think if the Nets get the series to six, I think it was a good year for them and, uh, a good, a good showing. So that's my prediction. I will say this. The Nets got swept last year and they had Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. So winning any games in the playoffs would be an improvement considering again, the Nets had Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant got swept. That was such an embarrassment. I know it was tighter than, you know, than it it feels like now, right? It was a tight series and all that fun stuff that we like to attribute. I'm going to go Sixers and five. I just, and that is such a downer, but I think the Sixers, they may run into issues down the road when they play a better team, um, but the Nets are in a really tough place. If the Nets had, like, I, Andre Drummond as a backup five. If they had a true backup five, I'd feel a little bit better. It's just a lot to put on to have Nick Claxton go against the MVP of the league and having no, ultimately no backup help. No one else that the Nets can rely on to really make Embiid feel pressured. Um, I think the Sixers fans will be rabid in that for those home games. The thing that could flip the series, like you talked about before, is the pressure. Is that if the Nets actually grab one of the early games, it makes everyone feel a little bit like, oh shit, maybe the team is going to choke again. Doc Rivers has had a history of not being a great playoff coach. Yeah, he has a problem holding leads. And as Jerry Seinfeld once said, Mike, the important part is the hold. Anyone can just take it. And um, 
Harden, of course, is one of the great playoff chokers of our age. Uh, Maxi has not. I love Maxi, but you know he's unproven. And Bead has not ultimately won anything either. So there is uh, some scar tissue here where the Nets, as you said, are pressure free. Uh, they they're a new team. They're slapped together. They do have talent. They have flexibility. They have scoring, shooting. They have all the things that you could maybe want. They are like the March Madness team that you know they are FAU, just a longer, taller FAU. But um, Sixers are pretty good. You're in all my wheelhouses today, since I'm also the Athletics FAU beat writer. Right. You should move to Boca. What are you doing? Get out. Know, get out of Boca. Go to Boca. The uh, uh, real quick. The um, yes, sir. After the FAU Owls beat um, beat Kansas State to go to the Final Four, the players were all nice. They only so much media attention this year. Um, they asked me, they, they said, Alex, are you coming with us to Houston to cover us in the Aww. Final Four? And I said, uh, I said, no, guys, I got to go back to covering the Nets. And um, John Carlo, I'm already forgetting his last name. He was their center. He goes, Alex, we're a bigger deal than the Nets right now. And I couldn't really argue. You know? That is so sweet. That is so, do, yeah. do the Nets... PR staff treats you the exact same. Do they miss you as much? Do they um, talk about me? Do they, is they, do the Nets PR staff say, hey, what's the deal with this glue guy? Why is he such an asshole? You should. Um, I know. I, I think I know. that. I don't say it. Um, <laughs> but um, no. Can you, they, can you do this, Alex? I'm going to get you a mini microphone. Okay. You're going to walk up to the I Nets PR staff. I don't like this idea. Okay. And you're just going to say, you're just going to start talking about why do you guys hate the glue guys? And we're going to get to the bottom of this. Okay. Spencer didn't when he came on the show. Nets PR did not help. Um, all right, Alex, what a way to end the show. I had to complain about something. Thank you so much. This has been the playoff preview spectacular with Alex Schiffer of the athletic read them at the athletic.com. Click on every article that he creates. Subscribe, 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 make up new emails to subscribe again and again and again. Give them those sub numbers, Alex. Thank you so much for being on the show. I make one Seinfeld reference and you turn this into an airing of grievances. Can't help. It's in my blood. It's in the DNA. Uh, well, we'll see the next time I'm on. It might be another solstice. <laughs>